Hey, welcome to my first inaugural podcast. Um, so I'll be talking to my phone for like an hour and a half, but that's all right, because I literally have nothing else to do. So I've been listening to lots of podcasts lately, and I didn't know what I was going to listen to. You know, I started off with, uh, with uh, really the Joe Rogan podcast, because I, I hear so much about it, and he's just a fun, really a vibrant guy, but also really uh, chilled out. So uh, I was listening to a lot of the JRE experience and, um, and then got into some info sex stuff and into some religious stuff and into some family stuff. And I'm listening to all these guys and I'm like, man, that'd be really cool to interview people like that or really talk about that thing. And then I realized, you know, why, why not? I mean, a lot of these guys are saying things that I think all the time and sometimes I've even said out loud and have... have debated in my own brain and really don't understand the reason for other things. So um, so I figure I'll just start a podcast. So here it is. Uh, this will be the first one. It's kind of like a, like a, what was the old show? It was, it was the real world where they would have the little, the little confessions, the confessionals that they did. And uh, I guess this is kind of it, right? This is my, my private uh, sanctuary where it's just me and the road and the and now a cell phone uh, hands free of course don't freak out but um but yeah just to just to chill out and make it home on time to the uh, to the old family stead so yeah this is it so what I wanted to really start my one off with was was how do I even what do I even do how do I come up with something to say and and, uh, and stay relevant. And am I going to be relevant? Or is this, am I, am I out of my league here? And the answer, of course, is always no. You're never out of your league. You're never, you're never wrong about what you do. But, you know, you can be uh, wrong without doing it, without being willing to learn, right? That's how I feel about things, right? So you can be a huge racist, or you can be a bigot, or you can be a whatever. That's, that's your thing. Right? I'm not I'm not hating on people for being that way. But if you're that way because you're ignorant, that's okay. But you gotta be willing to learn and to understand that, oh, okay, well, you know, that other guy, that other mindset probably has something I don't know. He's he's done one thing that I haven't done. And so uh, maybe instead of trying to show how much I'm, uh, I'm awesome and how much I know and how much I've done and, and what I'm going to do, uh, how about I just sit back and listen? Um, I've been on a lot of organizations and one of them was uh, at, a, at a cool thing they said. It was, you know, give me the strength to, to speak up when it's needed and also the courage to not speak up when it's not necessary. And that's not an exact quote, <laughs> but uh, but it was about those lines. It was basically like, like, don't be afraid to say those, say that something's right or something's wrong. But when you're not supposed to, or you're not um, the guy who who knows the answer, give give at least a little break. You don't need to shout out and say, hey, yeah, oh well, I I heard one time, or I think, just let it marinate, you know. When questions come out, that's something that's hard for me, because uh, I like to talk. I'm a talker, but I talk even more fast or even faster when I'm nervous. 
So I remember my first job interview, I was going like a mile a minute because in my brain, silence was bad. Like, oh my gosh, we're, we're going to have a quiet time here. That must mean that something's wrong. I can't carry a conversation with these guys. I don't belong here. All those things went through my brain on that first interview. And even now, um, as, as much as those things don't go through my brain anymore, I still feel that silence is, is, is kind of wrong. Which, and now at this stage in my life, it is, right? Because I've got a bunch of kids. So if I hear nothing, they better be asleep. Even when they're sleeping, I, I hear banging on the walls. So it's really, if I ever hear silence, <laughs> something is wrong. Because that means that one of those kiddos is doing something and they don't want to be caught. So that's when, uh, that's when you hop up quick and you say, whoa, whoa, where is everyone right now? I need to know where everyone is. I can't tell you how many times that that has happened. Um, and don't feel bad, parents, if you uh, if you lose your kid at your own house and you're like, where are you? And then you look outside and you see that your kid is on the front porch, uh, right by, not right by the road, but out where the road is. Because uh, I that happened to me twice. Now that I have a three-year-old, he just decides he's the he's the king of the world. But um, but I've heard other parents kind of in confidence kind of tell that story to me how they they felt so bad and. And all that, and, and yes, rightfully so. You should always be in control of your parent, your kids, and they should never go anywhere crazy, and they should always be safe. But, I mean, if you're a real parent, your kid gets away from you sometimes. Whether it's at the store and he fell a little bit too far behind, or whether you're literally at home and he went uh, to the wrong place, or he opened the the dishwasher and is pulling out all the knives trying to be helpful but now he's running around with steak knives you know it's just there's nothing you can there's there is a risk you know there's that crapshoot that the kids take and we take where they need that time to be wrong and that is so good that they are wrong there's a there's a lot of movies and shows and things like that and they emphasize a lot that I uh that I failed to emphasize, I think, with my first, uh, with the first child, and that was, it's okay to be wrong, and you should, you should never feel bad about it. You should really accept it, and kind of feel good about it. I mean, you don't strive to be wrong all the time, but it's a, it's a thing where if you're never wrong, you're never gonna learn. You're never going to be curious. You're not going to be daring. You're not going to be adventurous if you're never wrong. Because it's not an adventure if you know the outcome, right? It, it goes all the way back to where people sell you or you'll hear that life is beautiful because it's futile. It's, it's, it expires, you know, it has an expiration date. If we lived forever, it wouldn't matter what we're doing now or what we're doing then or Nothing would matter, truly. If everyone was immortal, it wouldn't matter. We would then, uh, you know, just be able to have the time to do anything and everything we ever wanted and procrastinate forever. But that's what makes it great is that we don't have all the time. So we are going to try things quickly and not think them all the way through. And we're going to make mistakes. And that really is where the fun comes in, right? Because you never go and you say, oh yeah, I planned this 
I planned this day perfectly. Everything went exactly according to plan. It was amazing. I, I've never heard anybody say that. If you if you guys say that, that's kudos to you, sir. I a tip of the hat. But uh, I've never said it because it's never happened. It's there's always something. I live my life more towards that old army thing where it's, hey, uh, the right course of action is you make a plan. That plan goes to shit, and you scramble up a good enough plan to get the thing done. That is basically how my uh, life has been lived, to be truthful. You, you plan as much as you can, then you accept the risks, and you change along the way. So that flexibility is what's, what's really hard to learn. Flexibility and patience. And I even hate the word flexibility, right? Like Sumper Gumby, people say. Always be flexible. But what does that ever mean? That means you can't rely on anything or what? Because that's how I take it when somebody says it. Man, if somebody comes to my office and they're like, oh, yep, Semper Gumby, all that means to me is that I can't rely on that person to commit, to stick to their guns, to, to do what they said they were going to do. And that pisses me off. I, I really do. I, I like to be reliable. And in turn, I hope and I expect the people around me to be reliable. Now, again, make mistakes, no big deal. But if every time you're telling me separate Gumby, it means every time you're, you're doing a poor job planning. And that's just what, that's what gets to me. But what I'm getting at is relating that back to the, to the kiddos and to really just life in general is being okay with that failure. Because that failure is where you learn and how you learn. You know, so I'm... If I go someplace and I'm on like half a tank of gas and I'm like, ah, I'll make it to the next one, I might not learn <laughs> to fill up if, I, if I'm running on empty, unless I run out of gas. Because otherwise, I'm just going to keep testing that limit. I really am, until I fail. I used to do that when I uh, BM, right, before marriage. I'm, I'm a guy, single guy driving around. I would just throw a two-gallon can of gas in my car and drive it till it ran out of gas. To, tr to really see how long it could go without, how, how many miles I could get on a tank. And that's so silly, right? But when you're a single guy, it's really not very risky, right? I could run out of gas wherever I was going. I'm mostly in the city, so it wasn't a too big deal. And I could just get out and walk. I could pull over the car and just walk. I, I didn't have a problem with that. I once traveled and I, I didn't care about having a hostel or any kind of and he got a place to stay. I wasn't worried about that because I was like, ah, I'll just sleep on a park bench. Now, granted, that was that was ages 18 to 24, right? Where everyone is invincible between the ages of 18 and 24, especially males. Now that I'm a smidge older than it, than 24, I definitely see the mortality and uh, and feel it too in the old bones as I wander around this life now trying to make do with what I've got. So that plan that I had in place was uh, was pretty ambitious. And then it actually went to shit like they all do. And it turned out to be a lot better, a lot more crazier than I'd ever imagined. So for me, I grew up in and around the Washington, D.C. area. Right? I, we used to, everybody always jokes that you say where you're from and you say DC and then when somebody says oh me too 
then you both kind of look at each other and say, okay, so where, where do you really live, right? Because nobody ever lived in D.C. It was always, oh, I lived in Nova, which is northern Virginia, or I lived in Maryland, and that, that usually that meant the, uh, quote, uh, western shore of Maryland, if the, depending on where you grew up. And in that area, it's very populated. It was Montgomery County, so it had it was a very rich county. Um, and my my parents had a good paycheck, but there was four of us. So they that that on paper that looks great that you got a high salary. But when when mom is stay at home, and the rest of you are splitting that by four, and then on top of that you're focusing on a your your education being paid for and didn't go to a public school just because of how everything works out and that's the choice my parents made you uh you end up fighting for scraps you know not literal not like we're on the street but yeah scraps like everything I had was a hand-me-down I I think I got a couple of a couple of one-offs because my uh older siblings ended up going to college and started venturing out on their own so that kind of let me get in good and get a get a couple of brand new things as I went along but that kind of is the 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 mindset that I'm coming through this whole talk with so I grew up in that that frame of reference where money wasn't abundant but it wasn't scarce you know I my parents were two beautiful loving people I didn't have an abusive uh, childhood or a lonely childhood or any of that stuff. I had a good childhood, which kind of like, oh man, if this was a novel, how boring is that? You know, you're starting off with nothing, but no, no meat to really sink my teeth into or to to build on this character. But I think that's more true than anything else, right? I mean, you hear these stories and you watch a movie, and of course the movie's got that. You never see, oh, yeah, two loving parents created a loving individual. And they they sought out and took the world on and, and made made mistakes and made sacrifices and had success and had failure. You, you don't really see that standard when you're at the movies, right? And I, and I respect that. I absolutely don't want to go to the movies and see real life. I, I experience real, real life every day. That's why, obviously, truthfully, I don't get the reality TV shows. That is, oh, the, that is the worst thing I've ever seen. Because it is never a real thing, like, like what I just said, right? It's never real, oh, yeah, this, this lady is a single mom, and she's got her grandma helping out, and she's making ends meet, and she's getting it done. It's, that's not how it is. It's always some crazy, oh, yeah, she's a single mom. But then she's uh, you know, she's also some sort of cokehead or blah, 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 blah. Something crazy like that, right? So it's never a real situation. And that, again, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir because that's good, right? Could you imagine if the world really was like any one of these reality TV shows? Could you imagine if it really was The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? Where it's like, hey, you're all just a piece of meat. You have one sentence to tell me why I should marry you. And then if, you, if you're a really good talker, then towards the end, I'm going to bang each one of you guys out. And then whichever one's better in the sack, I'm going to marry. I mean, that, that just wasn't my experience. I didn't, uh, I didn't have the experience where I walked into a bar and there were 30 women 
all fancy dressed up, uh, looking at me and wondering which one I was going to choose to the point where they were willing to do anything. And then at the end, I'm just going to go have sex with them on, <laughs> on television and then decide after that if, if I really do want to marry you. I just don't, I can't relate. I cannot relate to that. It is so ridiculous. But the problem is, is that is what's on TV. So in truth, that's what's, that's what people believe. That is legit what people believe. I had this conversation at one of my jobs. The first job I ever had, like the, the post-college, like actual education, and then went to a, a salary job. And one of the conversations that they had was that I was having with a coworker was, we were talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. And she was, she was all about it, hook, line, and sinker. She loved it. She was talking about how her girls were reading that book and they were into it. And I said, well, your girls are teenagers. And she said, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with someone exploring their sexuality. And I agree. I agree with that. But the problem I had was that that's a number one bestseller, right? And I don't know why I, I, I started reading one of them and I was just like done with it. Couldn't do it. It's not my genre, right? But the problem I had was that's the standard. You're, you're reading it and you know it's fiction. But even though it's fiction, it leaves an impression on your brain of, of this is normal. This is a normal thing. And if I say something abnormal enough times, it becomes normal, right? So the conversation we had was, you know, what are you gonna, you, you don't wanna burn the books. Somebody had a, has a literary license and they went and they wrote something that was interesting to them. And they, and then the publisher said, this is a great book. Other people might wanna read this and, and that's great. The problem I had was making it normal to people who don't know normal, right? A, and I, I am one to say, oh, there's no such thing as normal. Stop saying normal. Whatever you're living right now, that's the normal. But it's a dangerous game when you start saying bondage is normal, right? Because you're teaching, you're teaching a younger person, male or female, that, you know, hitting another person is okay. And that tying that person up is okay. And, and forcing that person to submit or submitting to that person is okay. But there isn't, there isn't a guide for it, right? So when you're early on in those stages of life, it's not like you, you show up and then you just say, oh, I know what I'm doing. You're floundering around. I mean, everybody remembers the first time they ever had sex. They were floundering around and they fall back on what? What did you fall back? I fell back on things that I'd read or heard or seen. And nobody, nobody tells you about real sex. They don't tell you that it's, it's awkward. You know, the first girl, awkward. The guy, you're, you know, you go in there and you're supposed to be this, this, you know, this steed, right? This, this hunk of man who knows all and will command his way. And, and, but then on the same respect, you gotta be gentle and, and soft touch 
and respect that woman, which I think is lost on a lot of people anyway, where it's more like, I'm going to get mine, and then hopefully she'll get hers. I mean, I, I see that talking to friends, and that's how it comes off as, hey, well, you know, I'm getting mine. I hope she gets hers. And that's... <laughs> That, I have never seen that blossom into anything. And blossom's a, a real feminine word. I don't know why it is, but it is. But I've never seen it grow. I've seen I've never seen that ferment, how's that? Or mature into something good. It's usually like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting mine. So I'm using this person to feel good. And then whenever they're, if, if they get, if they feel good, that's great. If they don't, eh, whatever. You know, maybe next time. So it's it's a real difficult position to be in. And so that's what the conversation was about, is by reading the book, is your child, your teenager, are they learning that, yeah, it's okay, this is what normal is. When, when that time comes and I end up uh, having sex with with someone I love and hopefully married to, is that okay when they hit me? Am I supposed to say, oh, wow, that really hurts, but I guess this is what it's supposed to be like. This is how it was in the book that I was reading. And that's where we got it from, right? Because, um, because frankly, the person I was talking to felt a little bit threatened. Um, they were, they were a little put back by what I was saying, like, how dare you, how dare you challenge the book, or how dare you uh, challenge my parenting is how I, I kind of took it, because it was like, the, the book doesn't raise my kids, I raise my kids, which is true, I, I absolutely acknowledge that, and I understand it, and I want that to be the case, but everything raises kids, I raise my kids, what I say and what I do and what I don't do raises my kids. But what I allow to happen raises my kids, right? If I allow my my kids to smoke dope, that's that's okay. I allow that to happen, right? If I allow my kids to go out with friends who are stealing cars, that's okay because I am allowing them to do that. That's how that's taken. And if you have a kid, man, it is absolutely like that. Um, I'm only, they're all, mine are only up to about 10. So I don't have the teenage things yet, but I don't see how it would get too much different. You're gonna try and test and poke and prod the limits until you get burned or until somebody reacts in such a manner that you are either scared off or you start to understand why or you see an example of why that's not a good thing. Whatever it is. Reading the books, uh, understanding what it is. And, and don't get me wrong, books are all right. Some books. Saying all books are good is stupid because there are absolutely books out there that are, like you're gonna say Mein Kampf, you're gonna tell me a Hitler's book or like a, uh, a purely racist manifesto is gonna be good. I absolutely disagree, right? There are definitely good and bad things in the world. And books can just be poorly written also. I mean, you you're, you work so hard to get your kids to read and write and understand and comprehend, and then they get trash, 
right? Where it's poorly written. It's just a crappy script, crappy plot, dialogue, all that stuff. It's terrible. So yes, there's absolutely a right and a wrong. But man, I have gone full circle. Where did I come from? I went all the way from my kid not learn, me not teaching them that wrong was okay sometimes to looking at a book was a huge influence and maybe we shouldn't look at influence we shouldn't allow certain books that have that are not that kids aren't ready for but that really becomes the the parenting dilemma right so putting your kids in a bubble that's the right answer in my opinion put those kids in a bubble because life's going to come at them no matter what so if I can make the bubble happen until I can slowly let in one and two things and it didn't even get to the big stuff, I get it. But when I see and I, I recognize that their maturity level is there, right? And it's not maturity like, oh, look at me, I'm, I, my body is developing. No, it's, it's mentally being able to understand and reason and comprehend some of the topics that we have to face as grown people, right? So I remember uh, I was in the military and I was telling my daughter, yeah, that's right, soldiers go and they kill the bad guy. The bad guy's trying to kill us and we kill them. And that's simplistic, very simplistic, right? So when you go through it, you understand how, how simplistic that is in the statement. But as a, as a young child, like I think she was six, six years old, learning the commandments, she kind of freaked out, right? Because one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not kill. But holy shit, my dad just said that he's a soldier and soldiers kill. So my dad breaks the Ten Commandments. So that became a conversation, right? So we, we kept it easy and, and dumb. But then it became a conversation that we had to step up the level a little bit and explain a little bit more. So the challenging of what I'm saying is also part of that learning, you know, because if she's, if my daughter just sat there and said, yep, I accept, I accept, I accept, then I would have to, frankly, I would have to challenge myself. And I, that sounds kind of weird, but it's like, hey, so I told you you couldn't ride your bike, but what if you rode your bike in the backyard on the grass, you know? That's differences. You start learning to negotiate. Because there's... Nothing is gray. I mean, nothing is black and white. That's just the opposite. Everything is a little bit gray. But it's just how much black and white. Because you can definitely have something that's wrong. And definitely have something that's right. But there's always going to be little bits in there that's right and wrong. Right? It's like the yin and yang. You say all that stuff. So even though... Uh, even though this person is just a horrible, horrible person... They did do some good things in their life. And that's the things we try to focus on. You know, don't put yourself in a position to get hurt. But understand that people are inherently, I mean, inherently good. But men are not angels, right? All of those things. So uh, there's so many little cliches, right? Trust but verify. And I remember, that's kind of a funny thing and it always brings up. Um, I think somebody was in the store and I had my kids and they said, do you want me to hold your kid? Cause I was like, something fell on the floor at the grocery store. And I said, no, 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 no thanks. And they said, 
They said, you can trust me. And I said, no, no, I can't. I don't even know you. And they kind of like looked offended at me. And then I was kind of like, are you serious? In my brain, I mean, the, the conversation, that inner, that little interaction just died right there. A little microcosms of, of community that we do with every day. But it died right there. But in my brain, I was like, that person might be trustworthy, right? Like we feel, I feel I'm a trustworthy person. But I don't want to just go and grab somebody's priceless thing and just be responsible for it with no training, with nothing, just no, no actual commitment to it. And that's kind of how I felt. Like this guy was saying, hey, you can trust me. And I'm like, I, you don't, I don't think he understood the weight of what he was asking me to trust him with. I think that's a better way to say it. Because he might have been a trustworthy guy. He might have been great. I mean, I'm a trustworthy guy. If I was by myself, I, I would feel the same way. I'm a trustworthy guy. But how could you ever be trustworthy enough to hold a part of me, right? In a, in a micro, like a little micro interaction like that. There's no way. There's no way. Like it takes, it takes time for parents to even trust grandparents and uncles and brothers when that baby is born or you have your baby in your arms because that is what you do everything for. And you are 100% in it. And if you're not, you need to be because that is a, a, a travesty when you see somebody who's just half-assing uh, being a parent. One, that really puts a lot of stress and extra burden on the second parent. But man, do you miss out if you're not in it. There's so many little things that are just amazing. And the struggles are part of that too. The struggles are amazing as much as the, the joys. Because you kind of, it's like a crucible, right? It really sucks going through it. But once you've gone through, it's worth it. it you feel the joy and you feel the fulfillment of saying, yes, I did that. I helped that. I, I made that happen. I And that, I don't think it's selfish to say I want to be proud of how I've raised my kids, right? I want to be proud of the way that they handle the situation or they they get up and they know the routine to do or they, uh, they strive hard at something that's difficult for them. Those are the things I want. Those are those things that I want my kids to, to really strive at and be like... Um, Proficient is the word I want to say. Because, man, I can give them the world and they will crap it away if they don't know what it's worth. And you can't know how much something's worth until you kind of understand the world and the pain of not having it. Right? So, people say it's better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. And I gotta tell you, I think that's absolute horseshit. Because when you've had something and it's taken away, that hurts so much more than this whole wishful thinking and oh, I wonder what that's like. I, I, I'm a strong believer in that. 
So if you are in that struggle, in that fight of being a parent, stick with it. Be there 100%. Because there's lots of people I know who are fighting tooth and nail to just get the opportunity. And everybody's different, right? I, I don't want to be the guy who's saying, oh, well, you know, you better finish your food because there's somebody starving in some country and put a million miles away. Although that is probably true. But that's not, that's not the reason why you finish your food. That's not the reason why you should, you should feel blessed to have a kid. It's, it goes back to the most important thing in, in everything, in the whole universe, is human life. It is. People argue if you want to say the earth, oh, that's great, but the earth is going to be there, whether we're alive or dead. So if you're dead, who gives a shit about the earth? Your, your whole race is dead. You, you don't need an earth. The earth, the, the earth is, is worthless. It's like having a Rolex watch and you can't tell time. It doesn't matter. So you've got to take care of human beings and just be good to each other, right? I don't know how many slogans there are about love one another, be good to each other, be the best you that you can be, all that stuff. But they're all pretty right, you know, they're all accurate. Just go ahead and be a decent person. And that's really what I'm trying to do. Um, sometimes I'm a jerk, but I, I feel like it's a balanced um, level. It's a balanced scale of uh, I'm being a little I'm being a little bit of a jerk because someone is not being respectful, right? And that's a big that goes a big day big. It goes a long way to be respectful. I cannot I can't stand people being rude, but that's hard, right? Because rude is a word and a term that is used when people actually know or have the same standards, set of standards. So like rude to me might be different than rude to you. So there's so many different things that are hard to comprehend. And that's where you make those mistakes. That's where we step on those, you know, social landmines. That's where you get into these these altercations of awkwardness, right? That's an awkward, you know, awkward conversation where you're you're saying something that is funny to you and you think is funny, and then the other person is like, "That's really offensive." And that's that's a great interaction. That's conflict, and conflict is fantastic. In my house, we say, uh, I say in my house, but I, I say, I'm making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. When my wife and I fight, and I, I acknowledge it to the kids, I say, yeah, oh no, we're having a fight. We're fighting over this, whatever it is. And people will say, oh, you shouldn't fight in front of your kids. You shouldn't do that. And I, I respect that. There's, a, there's levels to everything. There's a healthy way to fight, and there's not, you know, yelling and shouting, and then, and then slamming things down, and then, and then making accusations is not not a healthy way to fight, right? Like, well, you're being a jerk. It's like, well, why? Why am I being a jerk? Or you're not being reasonable. You're being a giant cabbage. That that doesn't add or support any arguments, name calling, and 
and bringing up things from the past, unless they, you know, obviously they carry weight into the argument that's happening. So those things are not healthy, but I have no problem getting into it with my wife. We will fight. She will raise her voice. Oftentimes I will raise my voice. We don't slam things down. We storm around. We still have to, it's so funny because we still got to get the work done. So I'm still gonna have, I'm still gonna have to do the dishes even though I'm yelling at her and she's still gonna have to cook the dinner while she's yelling at me <laughs> because life doesn't stop just because we we we're having a disagreement. And the reason I say this is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich is this is how I tell it to my kids. I say Papa likes peanut butter. I want peanut butter on my sandwich. I only want peanut butter on my sandwich. But mama likes jelly. And she only likes jelly on her sandwich. So if papa and mama never fought, then we would never have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So we always got to fight for what we believe in. And if it's and if it seems appropriate, if it looks okay to you, we could try a little bit. And be willing to try, right? Open to new things. As long as they don't hurt us. But that's how we get exposure and experience with new things, right? So that's how you get that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It is great and okay to argue for peanut butter only. It's okay to argue for jelly only. But in the end, some sort of peanut butter and jelly sandwich should be reached, right? Even if it becomes, hey, we're gonna do a peanut butter sandwich this time and a jelly sandwich next time. That's a, that's a way to compromise, right? People don't like to say, oh, I compromised. They don't like to say, I settled, oh, oh, oh. But I don't understand why not. Because you, you can't compromise without conflict. And you can't grow without conflict. You just read a book and do something, and you read a book and do something, and you read a book and do something. That's I mean, that's, is that what you do? There's, there's no other way outside of conflict. You, you have to grow through conflict. It, it can be an internal conflict. Oh, I really want to do this, but you know, I, uh, I have to go to work to fill, pay the bills or I want to learn how to do this thing, but it costs a lot of money. There's always some sort of conflict that you got to fight through. And that's what grows you. That's what keeps you alive. So as an individual, we get those conflicts. And the hardest conflicts I felt was the FOMO, right? I, I definitely suffer from FOMO, and so do my kids. And if you're not familiar, FOMO is fear of missing out. So I never want to miss out, right? If somebody's going to a concert, I want to go to. If somebody's going to the zoo, I want to go to the zoo. If somebody's doing this, I want to do that. I always want to be in, involved and in the know and, and have a good time and never pass it up. So that became a very difficult struggle for me when I did get married and I did have children and I did join the military and I, and I did have a job because then it became, oh man, I, I frankly don't have the money for that or it's not in the budget or I can't get off of work or I've got to go to army or I, my kids just got sick. But that's... That's part of the game, man, you know? 
If you played any sport, any sport there was, and every time you touched the ball, you scored a goal, you would not play that game. That would be the most boring game ever. It would, and everybody knows it. It's, it's like, why would you buy a video game if you can beat it in 10 minutes? You don't waste your money. You don't want to buy it. It's not a challenge. And that's exactly how it is. So full circle, challenging, conflict. It's okay to have conflict. Back to my son, making mistakes is okay. I guess what I'm doing here is uh, I'm trying to rehash. Because you say something three times, people will start to actually remember. And uh, frankly, I'm trying to figure out how to structure and how to, how to uh, really organize a podcast. Because I've only been driving for, you know, 40 minutes. And I've still got an hour left. But I want to have some cohesion. Because, you know, obviously you know, because anybody listening to this can hear that I'm rambling. And that's how my train of thought goes. It just goes. So as I ramble, I ramble on, because, you know, Lord, I was born a rambling man. I'm trying to piece together what I should do. I like the idea of talking. I like the idea of exploring concepts. Um, I don't like the idea of it being a one-sided thing. But, you know, if nothing else, I can just have this conversation with myself. And then, uh, and then maybe later on, I'll, I'll invite different people in. And then in, you know, one minute flat, I'll be as popular as the Joe Rogan podcast and make a oodles of money. And just quit my job and just <laughs> work in my in a studio I just built. So I'm just gonna go ahead and put all my eggs in that basket, I guess. So I don't know. I'm trying to debate on whether I should do a podcast about family or military or job or just man struggles that I have, current politics. I guess I could bounce between all of them. Whichever one I really wanted to, to focus on. But without a separate person, I think... I'm at 45 minutes, basically. And I think maybe that's a little too long for an individual just to ramble. Obviously, I have been. But I'm a talker. So, I think I'm going to keep about 30 minutes. Maybe 20, 30 minutes tops. Unless I really get going, man. Because some things... I really, I really enjoy and some things I really don't. And those are the ones you really want to get in, right? Scratching the surface of something is kind of worthless. You really want to dig deep. You want to be exposed to something and then just dig deep until you really get to the nitty gritty and really try to understand and, uh, and be okay with what it is that you've done and what it is that you're trying to learn. So yeah. Let me formulate. Let me uh, let that marinate in my own brain on what is the uh, most appropriate thing to do. And uh, I say appropriate, but just whatever I want to do. So whatever that is, I will uh, I'll figure it out. And I will come back, have another one with a actual, actual topic to focus on. Uh, I don't know if we're doing research, but I guess I can try to do that a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'll figure it out as we go along this journey. So, and have my own little uh, 
my own little confessional right here in the car, just me and the phone. And then once I publish this to uh, a bajillion people all around the world. So yeah, privacy is dead. Oh, I can do a whole talk on that. Woo.